Hi, Grease Monkeys. Wait, what? Uh, Jen, what should we call our people that listen to the podcast? they got to have a name. Oh, nice putting you on the spot. Oilies? No. What are car people called? Car people. Uh, oh, hello, car people. Is that what? Jen wants to stop. What? Car people. I can't. We're rolling with it. Jen's like, can't stop. No, we're rolling. So what would you call podcasters? What do you call people that listen to the podcast who like cars? Oilies? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know? What? What what do you call your dad? He changes his own oil. I call him dad. He's going to call him car dude dad? <laughs> My mechanic. But what if it's a lady that likes cars? Then she's like me. Car girl? <laughs> car girl. Truck girl? Truck girl. Truck girl Jen? Do you <laughs> engine change, queen. Do you, oh, engine queen. See? What about engine people? No. Could be electric. Then it has a motor. See? I think oilies. No. Oilies is good. No. Everything has, every car has oil in it, even if it's just in the bearing. That just sounds bad. It does? Yeah. All right. Hi, oilies. Wait, gearheads. Yeah, oh, Jordan came up with gearheads. Hey, gearheads. Welcome to the podcast of our, you can't touch your mic. You better hear that. Jen, have you ever been on the radio before? Yes, I have. Um, hey, gearheads. That's what we should call everybody that listens to the podcast. Your gearheads. Mm-hmm. You know, if in England, they'd be petrol heads. Oh, I like that. Yeah, but it's petrol heads. Hey, but petrol petro, heads. But that's gasoline. It's not has to do with gears. Yeah, but most you're touching your mic I again. I know. Stop touching your mic. You can't touch your mic when you're on the radios. Uh, welcome to our podcast from Our Auto Expert. Uh, we record a special piece for all the podcast listeners who download the podcast. Um, there are millions and millions and millions of people in the world. And wish more of you downloaded the podcast, which would be really nice. <laughs> so uh, all you have to do is, uh, you know, tell your friends to listen to it as uh, I give Jen a really hard time every week. Yes, he does. Yeah. That's hey, okay. What are we calling them? Petroheads? Oilies? Gearheads. Gearheads? Gearheads. Hey, gearhead, petrohead oilies. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. All right, let's just start the show. Yeah. This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. 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 Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Yeah, locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. Our auto expert is where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl, Jen. Uh, so, Jen, um, we're going to talk to Ford today about which vehicle? <laughs> escape Ex- the escape <laughs> he makes fun of me constantly the escape the Ex- ford escape i didn't know they made an escape yeah i know you say it differently i say it escape how the rest of america says uh-huh. it. escape the ford what escape <laughs> Ooh. God, i could see your mouth trying to go escape <laughs> and you i don't know if escape is actually jordan is escape a word no i don't think so yeah whatever uh Today, we're talking to Ford about a made-up vehicle, which Jen just made up, that they don't actually make. I think I need to escape. E- escape. escape. No, not escape. 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 My spouse says, uh, what do you say? A f- 
former oh ex cape. Oh God, go away. Escape, escape. You say funny things all the time too. Because I'm funny. Uh huh. Are you funny? You're funny peculiar. My dad would say you're funny peculiar. The Ford Escape. Yes. Uh, got a packed show for you. By the way, GM delivered their first uh, ventilator. Yes, they have. And, uh, and Which is awesome. I see there's pictures of it online, mm-hmm. of the first ventilator. Uh, I worked in medicine for seven years. I don't remember ventilators looking anything like this. It looks like a gas can, a blue gas can attached to a black gas can. Mm-hmm. That's does, a ventilator. It? Isn't that amazing? Uh Honestly, I had no idea this is what a, the the ventilator. I mean, I'm not familiar with all kind of ventilators. And I didn't work in the ICU; I worked in the ER, so I'm not familiar. But the GM ventilators assembled by GM and Ventex Systems were delivered to hospitals Thursday night. With uh, more making their way to facilities today and throughout the weekend, uh, this is the first of 30,000 unit orders with the U.S. government. Deliveries which went to hospitals in Chicago and Olympia Falls, Illinois, are a milestone for the two companies that launched an effort less than a month ago to make these ventilators for hospitals during the COVID-19 pandemic. I think big up to GM. Yeah, it said that uh, 10 of them went to the Franciscan Health in Olympia Fields. I was waiting for you to say Franciscan? something. Yeah. I think you got it right. Okay, and then... Um, we'll do it? we'll do corrections throughout the show <laughs> as you make mistakes. And then they also, in Chicago, of course, 34 of them went there. So um, I, 34? That's what it says. Didn't they make 30,000? Yes. Oh, but no, 30, the order is for 30,000. Yes, but 34 of them went to Chicago. How many did they make in this uh, initial batch? 1,000? Um, oh. I think it was oh. about 1,000. Uh, uh, pretty cool. Uh, I just say I don't know where Ford are at with their deliveries of ventilators for COVID-19. I do know that they delivered a million face masks almost immediately. Um, What are we going to do with all this extra toilet paper and face masks after all this is over? Extra toilet paper, really? Well, after this is over, all these companies are starting to make more Mm -hmm. toilet paper. I this is completely off the subject. I saw a brilliant thing on how to make a toilet paper last longer, and it's not disgusting. What it's do you really peel good. it apart and no, make two rolls no. out of one? That's two what ply? everybody says. Oh. No, you actually take the roll and you squish it, mm-hmm. make it flat, and then you put it on the roll. And what happens is because it doesn't roll properly, it rips sheets off before you want it to rip off, and therefore you just use less. Mm-hmm. And it says even if you pull it a couple times, it rips a. So some woman did this um, on Facebook and had her toilet rolls lasting a lot longer. There speaking, you go, non-car tip for you car people out there. Speaking of toilet paper, yeah. what did you get today? Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Jim brought me toilet paper mm-hmm. in the shape of a cake for my birthday. <laughs> she bought Jordan a cake, too. I was going to give it to him on the air, but Jen blew that. You ruined the whole surprise. I know. I'm awful. I get too excited. Yeah, she can't control herself. You know what it's like living with someone like that? Hey, pack show, everybody. <laughs> If Jen can control herself, we're going to talk about the new Ford Escape. <laughs> Escape, essentially. I'm saying it how Jen would say it. Uh, because C- SUVs and CUVs crossovers are becoming huge with uh, the audience, everyone's getting out of their uh, sedans and getting into these vehicles. We're also going to talk about the Chevy Traverse. Uh, the Chevy Traverse is sort of their larger version. It would be the Ford Explorer competition. I actually, it's my favorite Chevrolet, the Traverse. Really, and the eight, the eight, the GMC version of it, the Acadia, 
AT4. Mm-hmm. I like. Dude, I'd buy that. Any yeah, year. I like the Acura. I like it a lot. Uh, Mazda is uh, doing a car care program. We're going to find out all about that because the general manager from the University of Mazda will be joining us today. Uh, also, we're going to talk about something that I really want to test drive. You're welcome. Uh, it's the uh, the new R18 <laughs> from BMW. It's their new cruiser motorcycle. This has been dominated by Indian, dominated by Harley, this segment of these cruiser motorcycles. I have a Triumph Cruiser. Mm-hmm. I have a Bobber. And what's exciting I would sell is it in a second for I one think of this is low enough for you to drive. Ride. Mm-hmm. You don't drive a bike. Whatever. You ride. A bike. You ride. Escape. Escape. Ride. You drive. <laughs> Lessons from Jen. Escape <sighs> on your driving motorcycle. Am I, you done with me now? Uh, this week I've been driving the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid. I have not used any gas. I'm awesome because I plug it in and I drive it. I think 38 miles on electricity alone. Oh, oh, and by the way, I redeemed myself going home in the Nissan Titan. Uh, did you have a problem that you needed redeeming from? Yeah, <laughs> my gas mileage. Oh. It was a 7.9 on the way here because I was you, following you Yeah. at your speed. Yeah. Yeah, and then I kind of did the normal speed, and I got like 14 miles per gallon. Wait a second. When we were in the Starbucks line for like two hours before the show getting coffee, you were doing donuts in the parking lot. That's why you had seven <laughs> miles a gallon. That's exactly what I was doing. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. People thought you were nuts. I was I'm testing sure, You know the, the cops go to that Starbucks, right? It's fine. All right. What are they going to do? <laughs> Arrest you? Nah. Jen, you won't, you're too pretty to go to jail. <laughs> you won't survive five minutes. Yeah. You're, no, I don't want to go to jail. In jail, you wouldn't find. Yeah, well, don't do donuts in no, the parking lot. No, I'd ask lot, him then. to join me. Oh, and I've also been driving the Mazda MX-5, the uh, which is awesome. It's the cute. new edition, the 2020 version. I have the RF, which has the retractable hardtop. That's super sexy. Mm-hmm. Uh, except I left the top open last night and it rained. <laughs> We're not going to tell Mazda, though, right? We have them on today. Right? We have them on today, and they're listening live. Uh, oh, whoops. <laughs> that's Sorry, Justin. That's lying about that out the window. <laughs> I have to tell the truth, I guess, now. Uh, let's, let's delve into the Ford Escape, which has uh, more rear legroom than the Suburban, I'll have you know. Did you know that? No. Well, we're gonna it's find amazing. Out. We're going to find out that more on our Auto Expert as our show continues. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see our automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, we've had a run of really great weather in the Northwest recently, and uh, which is where I spend most of my time. Uh, a lot of time in Chicago and the Midwest and on the East Coast, but uh, a lot of my time in the Northwest. And uh, been having uh, some some time which is just perfectly in time for the Mazda MX-5, which I've been driving. Uh, I'm excited about this vehicle because the Mazda MX-5 is uh, it's got a new engine for 2020. We uh, probably should get somebody on to talk about it. Um, but one of the things that's great about it is, especially if you live in climates that are rainy or where it snows, I mean, uh, yes, it's not a great snow car. We should probably just start with that. It's uh, it's a fair weather car, but the RF version is the retract- retractable retractable um, hardtop version, and that means that you can have it in colder weather and have the heating on inside, and you can have it in uh, warmer weather. 
um, and have the top completely down. Now, of course, the last few days have been ultimately sunny. So the 2020 MX-5 Miata um, has been my friend and I've been driving it around. Unfortunately, I left the top down because I'm jumping in and out of this the, the, this vehicle. There are, by the way, a bunch of six different trim levels in it, which I think are amazing. Uh, 181 horsepower. It starts around $26,580. Uh, it weighs around 2,300 pounds to 2,400 pounds, depending on how many uh, bits and pieces you have added to it and what sort of model you get. And it does come in a six-speed manual or a six-speed automatic. I have the automatic. Um, I used to be a huge fan of manual vehicles, by the way. But I jumped more into automatic vehicles because, you know, we get caught in stop-and-go traffic if you live anywhere in a metropolitan area. Um, and I don't get out onto roads that often to drive these vehicles. And uh, after a while, you're sitting on the freeways with a manual transmission, and it's really a pain in the backside. Plus, I like to do 0 to 60 mile an hour times, if you know anything about me, which I have got spanked for a few times but that's a completely different story and zero to 60 mile an hour times are now faster with automatics the technology of these automatics once we started to get up to seven eight nine ten speed automatics the the zero to 60 mile an hour time and you can't shift that fast in a manual version my manuals are like six or seven speeds is about as much as you can four six five six or seven speeds um, six speed is about uh, comfortable in a manual but with the automatics, you can just plow through those gears much faster. You have 10 gears much quicker than you can shift manually. And so ultimately, 0 to 60 mile an hour is much easier in, in an automatic. So I favor now uh, for driving great curvy roads. Definitely like a manual, but I don't like it for sitting on the freeway. So the MX-5, uh, Mazda Miata, as most of us knew it, or know it, uh, is definitely one of my favorite vehicles. And I had the top down, left it open last night, and it rained. Uh, but it doesn't seem like the car got that badly damaged on the inside. So I'm not too sad about that. Uh, but I, I hasten, I'm not, it's a loaner, obviously, from Mazda, or it's a, a test vehicle. So I'm not sure I'm going to go and tell them that I did that. It didn't rain, by the way, viciously. It sprinkled a little bit first thing this morning. So I actually, uh, I actually got that. Uh, the difficulty is my spouse does not like um, convertibles because it's never warm enough to to drive a convertible. So I'm I can't ever have the top down if there's more than one of us that ride in the car. Turn your microphone. Just on, do too. what I do. What's that? Put the heat on. Yeah, I know. You you would think that would work, right? Yeah. And it doesn't. You got the heated seats. You um, got the by the way, Mazda are offering 0% financing on this vehicle. Um, it's still one of the, it went through a, a major refresh a couple of years ago. Uh, it's still mostly the same car. The Fiat 124 is the same vehicle as well. Mostly the same car, uh, but it's a lot more fun to drive. It gets up to 34 miles a gallon on the highway. Um, I will tell you too, so they have this color option when you build the vehicle. If you go to the Mazda website and you build... Uh, a Mazda a MX-5 or a Miata, mm -hmm. what you're going to find is when you build that vehicle, that this that red color is quite an expensive option. Somebody uh, mentioned to me the other day it was it was in three different, uh, it was $4,000 more. I'm not sure it's that much. Well, isn't that because it's the special one yeah. with the they, flex? So, yeah, so what Mazda, way. I think they did it on the Mazda 3, like 2015 or 16. And uh, with that vehicle, they came up, they had to come up with a new spray nozzle head for their paint because it had bigger 
I think I'm right in saying this, it had bigger metal flecks in than most of the paint does. And so they had to come up with a new spray head and it's electronically sprayed so all of the metal pieces lie in the same direction. So as you walk around the vehicle, the color changes. Yeah, and I worked... Different shades of red. I ran a paint department and that would be very difficult to do. Yeah. So normally those pieces, those pieces sit... And Things are falling off the desk. Yeah. <laughs> Normally things... Uh, Nick is trying to destroy the studio, sorry. Yeah, that's all me. Mm-hmm. It's all my fault. <laughs> uh, so what are, the, what are the trim levels? The Sport, which is kind of the base trim level, uh, that sort of has the 181 horsepower engine in it, 2 liter. Uh, it's an i4, 29 miles a gallon. They all have the same engine in it. Um, and then the second one up is the uh, club trim level, which is, I think, new. And then the Grand Touring, which is like whoop, whoop. Has all the bells and whistles. Grand Touring, you can get in six colors. The the club version, you can get in five. And then uh, Sports Trim actually has just the three colors: the white, black. I think what do they call it. They call it Arctic White, uh, Jet Black Mica, and then the Soul Red Crystal Metallic, which is the famous red color. And then you, as you go up, you, know, you can add even in the you can like the Eternal Blue Mica. I think Mica is the name they give those. Um, paint colors which have the special painting uh, the, and the full specs I mean when you get up to the touring starts at $30,290 that's the MSRP I did notice I've been doing a lot of TV segments I did notice that you can get uh, I was looking at a Golf GTI uh, the other day and I found Golf GTIs that are brand new uh, that can start around $37,000 brand new you can get them between two and $5,000 off MSRP brand new depending on where you go or who you shop around. So car prices um, are coming down in COVID-19, mm-hmm, which definitely. is awesome if you're thinking about buying a new vehicle because uh, a lot of people aren't able to buy it. Right. But, and they also have like 0% financing, some of them, for yeah, like my, seven years. Yeah. Well, that, yuck. No, thank you. I know, but I'm just saying. You've got to be careful with 0% financing because mm-hmm. a lot of times they build those payments in so you don't, you don't can you just swallow on the radio? Oh, it was delicious. The Gen Swallow. Um, a lot of times, zero percent financing. You, uh, you, you know, they build those the interest payments into the car. So right. you have got to be careful uh, that you don't. You have to take all your payments and add them up and see how much you're actually paying for the car. I know it's interest, but you're still paying for it. Uh, the only thing that's sad about this car is it's uh, it's a two seater. I guess it's just me and a dog. That's basically. And what's it. wrong with that? Oh, yeah, I have a spanner. It's rear-wheel drive, though. That's kind of the fun thing about it is uh, combined 29 miles a gallon, and they do a great warranty on it as well. Bumper to bumper, 36 months, uh, 306, 36,000. Let's try it again, Nick. 36,000 uh, miles on that, which is great. And then the interior, you can actually also get a red interior as well, which I, I like very much. So <clears throat> speaking of Mazda. Yeah. Do you know what the logo stands for? No. Is it a, a bird? I always thought it was a bird. It's the ability to soar to new heights. Oh, it is a bird, see? Mm-hmm. I know, I know. I guessed. I guessed right. But at least I got it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want one with a red interior. You can get the sports tan, the black, or the red interior. I want the red interior. I've never seen a Mazda Miata or MX-5 with a red interior. I'd like to have a red interior. I'd like to, you know, Perry. say that's so 80s. Is it? Red interiors or, or are, late seventies, I should what? say. Yeah. Red interiors are all the f- the fashion now. Everyone's coming mm-hmm. back with red interiors. Uh, Camry did it a couple of years ago for the first time ever. 
Uh, I think red interiors are sexy. I, I, the black that BMW and Mercedes use is so dark. I love black. Oh, yeah. You, all you need is a German Shepherd to be vacuuming that thing. Right. <laughs> I have two cats. I'm good. All right. Coming up, we'll talk more on Our Auto Expert. Uh, OurAutoExpert.com is the website. You should go there because there's things there for you to see. All right. Bye. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. This is Our Auto Expert, the show which gives you all the information about cars. Our Auto Expert is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can start a conversation with us about anything car-related. Just direct messages. It's where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Our Auto Expert and OurAutoExpert.com. One of the best things I ever did, not that I'm a huge motorcycle fan, is take my motorcycle license. And the reason I did that was because my friend Pat, who is a chief engineer at a Portland, Oregon TV station, Fox 12, he uh, got me into it and sort of encouraged me, and I took my test, and I passed. God knows how. But I passed by the skin of my chinny-chin-chin, and one of the things it did was make me aware of other motorcycle drivers, I mean riders, because when you ride a motorcycle, you really start to see the world differently. Mm Mm-hmm. I've never driven a semi, but I can imagine as a semi driver that you see the world very differently. I was sitting at an intersection in 2009, and um, the vehicle to my left was a semi, and he had to turn left on a on a road that went more than 45 degrees. So he had to sort of turn and then come back on himself almost. And as he made the turn, because his light went first, the back end of his vehicle swung out and took the front off of my brand-new Range Rover, 2010. And so, you know, it wasn't mine. It was owned by Range Rover. So I called Range Rover and said, hey, this just happened. And I chased the guy down. It was still drivable. The (laughs) fender was gone. I chased the guy down and was calling cops. And the cops were like, pull over, stop, pull over, you know. And I was like, "I I want you to get this guy. They go, we got his plate. We know who he is. We'll get him. And I said, well, I'm just following down the road. Here he is. So I pulled over. The cops showed up to where I was, and they saw the car. went, holy cremoli. <laughs> and eventually they went to the – I was mad. Of course I was mad. I wanted the guy – like, I wanted him to go to jail for the rest of his life at the time. You're so mean. Um, I know. He's but I was angry. trying to do his job. I was angry. So he crushed my car and just drove off. Well, maybe he didn't know. Well, that's the thing. The cops yeah. said, those things are so big that you probably have no idea – what happened? Right. Um, so he ultimately ended up um, getting, they went to the thing and they said, hey, you did this, this, this. He goes, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. He went to the back of the truck and on those bars that come down below the doors, there was green paint <laughs> off of the Range Rover. They said, oh, here you go. <laughs> and he was like, holy gamoli, I didn't know that I'd done that. Yeah. And so uh, I, I kind of had a new semi a lightning, you know, awakening during that time. Uh, there are some interesting things about semis, uh, which is that uh, there are 3.5 million truck drivers in the country, according to American Trucking Association, and they have a website that really tells you how to be aware of truckers on the road. Now we have so how many new truckers did you tell me, Jen? Um, they're hiring. Well, gosh, since they've changed the rules for this COVID. Yeah, COVID. It, here we go again. Escape COVID, <laughs> COVID yeah, COVID nineteen. They Go have ahead. hired one hundred and fifty thousand truck drivers. New truck drivers. New. 
and they're expanding their hours from the normal, what was it, 10 hours a day. Now I think it's up to 12. Yeah, because we need our Amazon packages delivering. Apparently. Or our Walmart packages or our Target packages. Or right. Our, yeah. And a lot of them are getting sick. So that's... Yep. So this is what everyday drivers that are out there needs to be aware of. Yeah, so you need to sort of understand there's a lot of new semi-drivers on the road. Even now, there is more than 250,000 accidents between passenger cars and 18-wheelers that happen every year with uh, auto drivers contributing over 70% of those crashes. So it's not the trucker's fault necessarily. Many of these collisions can be avoided and and fears reduced if drivers knew how to share the road safely. I've seen some people do horrible things, especially on freeways. Like, uh, these trucks do not change lanes quickly. They do not slow down quickly and have people, like, overtake and then pull in and suddenly break in front of these because they need to take an exit. These trucks sometimes can't stop. So you should go to this website. It is uh, blog.nationwide.com, and uh, they have a segment there called Driving Near uh, Trucks and, and Bikes, which really helps you. Uh, understand uh, the blind spot is bigger they need more space to maneuver they require more time and distance to stop it takes them l- uh, more time to pass another vehicle so the those worst i've seen is when they try to take a left turn and somebody decides to scoop in next to them yeah on the right. i've seen a car just get squished you know and you, they can't see that they're that you're there right so very yeah. dangerous. Yeah. So uh, please share the road if you want your packages and your groceries and everything to arrive. There is a charity based on the east coast of the United States that tries to help truckers with health insurance to keep them on the road. A lot of time they buy the basic health insurance that just covers them from uh, the state that they live in. And if they get sick when they're driving across country, they have no way to get medical treatment. So one of the things this charity does is either get them home to get medical treatment or uh, pays for their medical treatment while they're uh, out and gone. And thank you to the truckers that are out there right now. All right, we're going to talk more about SUVs and CUVs coming up on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google. Hey Alexa, hey Siri, play our auto expert radio show. All the previous episodes of the show are also available on podcasts. Uh, you can have hours and hours of endless fun as you sit in quarantine. I'm Nick Miles, and this is our auto expert radio show where two million Americans get their automotive. Oh, look! <laughs> I set off uh, Google. Oh, hey, oh, Siri. I right, cancel Siri. Also, um, iTunes and Spotify. If yeah, you, I mean, you it's, yeah, you, I mean, well. Spotify, you'd have to do it through, Not, it's not a smart speaker, but you'd have to do it through Alexa. You could do that. Hey, Alexa, play Our Auto Expert on Spotify. Anyway, uh, 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily from our auto expert. Uh, it's my favorite Chevrolet. You probably think the Corvette C8 was my favorite. It's probably your favorite, No, isn't it's it? mine. Is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it very much, um, but you know what I like even more? A 57 Corvette. No. Oh, sorry, that'd be talking about me again. Go the ahead. Traverse, uh. the, the Chevrolet Traverse. And joining <laughs> us on the phone is Shad Melch to talk about it. Uh, Shad, uh, we've had to uh, sit back and wait for this vehicle for a little bit longer because COVID-19 pushed the release of the new Traverse back a bit, didn't it? Yeah, good morning, guys. That's, that's exactly what happened. As you know, with car production, Everything is date by date by date, and the, the longer it takes to get things to the assembly line, well, that's going to affect your model year. So that's correct. The 20, uh, 2022 Traverse is going to probably show up, hopefully, 
in Q3 of next year. It looks sexy. I have to also say uh, it's got a lot of sort of uh, suburban looks about it. I like it's, it. It is. That, that is exactly what we were going for was we wanted to have, you know, the, the, the Tahoe and the suburban, they do so well for their segments. And what the idea was to make the Traverse uh, look like a more connected part of that family without compromising any of the attributes that the Traverse is known for in terms of fuel economy, space, storage, people hauler type stuff. I'm, uh, I'm a fan of SUVs mostly um, and luxury SUVs. And this now comes, it's, it was late to come with so much high-end stuff in it. Uh, I'm just looking at the list of uh, the sort of things that it may contain, although, you know, I'm sure that'll get nailed down closer to production and uh, giving a little leeway. So we mostly see the design, but it really is verging on a luxury vehicle, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And that was the whole idea was let's give a lot of the features that we know people expect or want in typically a higher term version. Let's make them standard. So, for example, there are six new safety features that are standard for the 2022 Traverse now that we've never seen before. And, you know, that means that, for one thing, it's going to keep more people safe on the road, but it's not something that you have to spend more money on to buy a higher trim level to get some of the basics. So that's what really sets the, the, this Traverse apart from its competitors is what you get even on the base model. Now, looking at design for for it, sort of, it gets a new front and a new rear, which is obviously a reflection of its bigger siblings. But it also steps up to LED lights. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's and it's one of those things when you talk to the designers about look, where we can take this to the next level when you go from update to update. That's one of the things that people notice the most. Is everybody loves lighting. You can never argue with good lighting, a good front grille that isn't too intrusive or isn't doing enough. And just the ability to, when you walk up to the vehicle, look at it, know that it stands apart. Everybody wants to look good and feel like they look good at what they're driving. And this does a very good job of meeting my, that. My neighbor who lives across the street, um, she asked me uh, about two years ago, what, 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 she lives exactly opposite us, her and her husband. And they, she said, uh, what, you know, what should we buy? Um, they had, I think she was, I can't even remember what she was driving. I think it was an older Subaru. Um, and I said, she said, I want a three-row vehicle. And I said, have you looked at the Traverse? And lo and behold, like a week and a half later, there's a new Traverse in her driveway, which she drives every day. And I was like, oh, it's over there. It's not in my driveway. <laughs> I shake my fist at her a lot of the times. But for, uh, for 2020 or 2022 now, it's going to get a new interior seating option as well. Yeah, there's a, a, a few different new configurations for the 2022 model. And the biggest, the biggest takeaway from the way the new layout is that even with all seats up, meaning you have the third row seat up, able to haul three people back there, you could still fit about six carry-on sized pieces of luggage in the back. So this is, it has the most cargo space of any of the, this size model in the, uh, in the lineup, all of our competitors. So that is something we're really proud of was the, the ability to carry all the people and their luggage and configure it in a way that makes sense for what you need. If you don't need eight people and seven is fine, then you can buy this different seating option. But yeah, that's the thing is that there are now more options that will be tailored specifically for what the customer needs. I, um, when I do my TV pieces for all of our Fox stations, I look, you know, look around and I'm trying to take the press cards that I'm using and make them into something that's timely and relevant uh, because, of course, what's going on with COVID-19. So I've been working on a story uh, right now as cars, you know, if you're going to buy a vehicle, vehicles you could sleep in. 
because you know if you if you unfortunately end up having to sleep in it or you can't stop in a hotel or whatever and then when i read the fact that this has this massive dual uh, skyscrape two paneled power sunroof uh which is and has sunshade that goes across it you could lie in the back of this at night and look at the stars there you go. Yeah, full <laughs> purpose. Two big pieces of glass above your head. Yep. It's not only my new Chevrolet, it's also my bedroom. Uh, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, all the usual stuff. Uh, the screen, uh, is, is it getting bigger this time around? Or how are we look, talking about infotainment system? Yeah, the screen in front of the driver is bigger. It's now 8 inches. And actually, you mentioned Apple CarPlay and uh, Android Auto. What's new is that they're now wireless. So you do not have oh, cool. to plug them in to get them to power up. So yeah, it's wireless, wireless charging. So the idea is you really do not have to pick up your device at all while you're in the car. That's, we, we like that part. We like that part. And then you, you talked about cargo space, best in class, and also more USB ports. And so you can put iPads on charge or whatever if you have kids in the back row. There's access to a USB, USB charge port at every seat. That's oh, correct. Nice. So you can still, kids can stop complaining. You don't have to turn around and slap knees anymore. You can just say, put your That's iPad right. and charge and deal with it. Uh, you talked a little bit about the safety features. Do we know what some of those uh, new safety features are that have never been seen before? Uh, well, they're now standard. So there used okay. to be options that you had to, to buy up to. But what comes standard now is the automatic emergency braking, the front pedestrian braking, lane keep assist, and the departure warning. The forward collision alert, which, as you know, as you approach a car a little bit too abruptly, it actually applies, applies the brake for you. And then the um, auto high beams, where if you're, you're on a dark road, we'll turn on the high beams for you. And then as soon as the car's coming at you, we turn them back down. And then a following distance indicator, which just lets you know when you're trailing too, too close behind somebody in front of you. Okay, so what's your favorite part of this vehicle? The, it's, I mean, it's the... Um, the technology is for me. I mean, I literally work out of my vehicles when I'm driving a Chevrolet for, and I have one for my company car. I power up to Wi-Fi, and I, I work in my vehicles because I'm on the road so much. So that level of technology, and it's unmatched with us. You know, we have the OnStar connectivity, which is just a bit better than what our competitors have in terms of being able to access signals and things. So that's for me. That's the, the selling point for me. Awesome. Um, I have to ask you this question. So does this have the vibrating seats in it? Yeah, it's an option. It's an option. <laughs> right. So you know what I'm talking about, Jen. Yes, I do. It just sounded funny the way you Shad, said do you it. ever drive over the line just so the vibrate the seat vibrates? I mean it's embarrassing how often I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I I will tell you, I didn't realize until um, I had my last Chevrolet out of the press fleet. But you drive along and you'll drive over the line accidentally once and the seat vibrates on that side where you drove over the line or in the front of the seat. And then you go, oh, yeah, I forgot it did that. And then you keep driving over the line to see it vibrate. It's so much so that you go, yeah, you know, maybe this is starting to be a little inappropriate. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just because you're doing it, just because you think it's fun. It's like, it's like kids who can't stop pushing buttons in cars. Like, choo, 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 choo. I want to just, I just keep, I know it's, like, it's embarrassing. It's definitely embarrassing because you just do it because you want to keep. Okay, that's like the seats with the bolsters that fill up when you go around corners. Yeah. They make me giggle because I'm ticklish. I oh. do the same thing. 
<laughs> I, so, I always try not to get the curvy. Oh, I'm road. interested now. <laughs> we should we should have you drive one of these to see if you giggle when you go over the line. <laughs> no, it's okay. We'll call it the giggle seat <laughs> no. from now on. Uh, that's honestly that was a feature that started in Cadillac and then uh, went th- throughout the GM lineup. But it was probably one of the most brilliant pieces of uh, engineering ever because. More and more, when beeps and things happens in, happen in cars, I you know, I just ignore them. Unless they're the horrible beeps, like you're about to get an accident, it's like, Meh, in your face. But a lot of times, you're like, ding, 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 you know, whatever. You, I like, oh, my signal's still on. I'll go turn off. But when the seat vibrates, you're like, oh, yeah, hi, how are you? I better, yeah, better pay attention to that one, yeah. which I think is, is absolutely brilliant. Uh, why do you think the Traverse is so successful, Shan? Yeah, and um, you know it's the third best-selling Chevrolet in the lineup behind the Equinox and the Silverado, and it's I think it's just because it, it does a very good job of meeting the needs that most people need. You know, it's it's the right size. If a Tahoe is just too big for you, this is the uh, substantially smaller in terms of just the way that it feels on the road, but yet it doesn't compromise the towing, the hauling, and the people moving ability. Right. So it's it's just it's that sweet spot. It's the, it's the the you know we all know this segment. It's the fastest growing segment in the entire car lineup. People are moving from cars up to crossovers and full size SUVs, and this is just right there. It's right in that sweet spot. Do you get to choose uh, anything that you want out of the press fleet? You probably can't get a C8, but do you when when you get your your oh, cars he has and, one. and well well what happens is a lot of times with the the PR managers. They get a list of vehicles they can have, but you you probably have a budget of what you can order, right, Shad? Yeah, well, they just they send me whatever I have not had, so they try to put us all through the full lineup. Okay, that we're you know familiar with product, so I don't get to choose, but I do know that I'll just get anything that's a Chevrolet. You, I've you, seen him in the Corvette, yeah. on Instagram. Well, oh yeah, Facebook. yeah. So so uh, let me ask you this: uh, You live in like the downtown LA, right? I do. So what's too big for you? I mean, obviously, it's not big for uh, other people, but what's too big for you to drive around downtown L.A.? Is this is the Traverse too big? Because I'm sure you've had plenty Silverados. Oh, yeah. No, I think you're asking the wrong person because nothing feels too big. I love big. <laughs> the bigger, the better. Probably the most annoying to drive in downtown L.A. would be like a dually HD Silverado. Yeah. Those hips would probably get in the way uh, more often than not, but... I've had a Tahoe, I've had a Silverado, and people just get out of the way. And I think, you know, as much as people, it's not easy to park, but yeah, that's, that's my you know, problem. My concern. I think the yeah. Tahoe and the Suburban are sort of like, uh, you know, they're like LA and New York um, cars anyway, because they're a lot of a lot of the livery services use those. So you're sort of used to seeing those on the road. I'm just when you do you walk to the supermarket or you do you drive? I drive. Yeah, so I can just I have a picture of you in an underground parking lot at a supermarket in LA trying to park a dually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just just going through I, I just going through my head I'm about that guy. You'll have yeah. to go visit him and video him. Yeah, like trying to park a dually <laughs> mm-hmm. in in his local Ralph's or wherever he shops. Yeah, that to me that puts a smile on my face. Uh, Shad, look, it's always a massive pleasure to have you on the show. Still my favorite uh, Chevrolet. I absolutely love the Traverse and uh, I'm looking forward although I have to wait. I'm 
I'm looking forward to seeing it next year sometime. Uh, the 2022 Chevrolet Traverse is uh, a new SUV. You can see pictures of it by going to the Chevrolet website. It's absolutely gorgeous. Coming up on the show, by the way, uh, we're going to talk about the fact that there may be huge amounts of fleet vehicles dumped into the industry because uh, this, the sales industry, because uh, all these car companies like Hertz may be going bankrupt. So if you've always wanted yourself maybe a Corvette, you might have a chance to buy one now at a reduced price. All that coming up as our auto expert continues. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Locally celebrated, nationally created from the northwest of the southeast, this is America's radio show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. And Mazda North America Operations announced it will provide free standard oil changes and enhanced cleaning services for U.S. healthcare workers participating dealerships nationwide will work on this the program which begin or began april 16th is not limited to mazda owners is available to most makes and models for from other manufacturers the essential car care program developed in partnership with mazda dealer network will invest a minimum of five million dollars as part of the initiative to help people get their cars cleaned. Chris Reeves joining us on the phone. He's the general manager at Mazda University. So this is a pretty incredible incredible program if you're a health care worker, right, Chris? Yes, it is something that I am truly proud to be part of. And I've heard that feedback from many of our employees on this program. Uh, what it offers to healthcare workers who are on the front line fighting uh, something to give back, but also maintaining their vehicle. Um, tell me a little bit about why you guys at Mazda decided to do this. Uh, you know, Mazda's, you know, it's our 100th anniversary, and part of our foundation is, you know, in these times of need, uh, the, the Japanese culture is to give back. And that's what we're about is, you know, recognizing it's not just whether you drive a Mazda, it's whatever you drive, what can we do to give back to these healthcare workers? And we've had healthcare workers that have already come in and are, are just so thankful that uh, we're giving them a little recognition and doing something for them uh, and taking both the financial parts of maintaining a car out of, you know, off their hands, but just giving back to them. Now, um, let me ask you this question. Is every Mazda dealership participating, or do you have to find a list online? Uh, I don't know about a, a list online. From what I have heard from uh, a few people that I've talked with here and there, it does sound like, especially in the Northwest, I've heard that everybody is participating uh, up in the Seattle area, but other markets, uh, I, I'm not 100% sure. So probably best to call the dealership before you uh, head in and just ask them and make sure that they're all on board with this. So it, yeah. it includes cleaning and oil changes as well. Uh, those sort of those sort of regular maintenance. When we say cleaning, what do you, what does that entail? Does it entail just a car wash, or how far do, do these guys go? Uh, we, we do wash the car, but the, the two-step process that we do here is uh, obviously the guys are all gloved up, but we go through and we wipe down everything in the car. And then the final step that we do is to take an EPA-approved wipe 
and go through the vehicle and do all the high area touch points to make sure that those are as clean as possible uh, as we return the vehicle back to its uh, owner. Uh, that's pretty awesome for those healthcare workers. Now, uh, I have to ask you this question, slightly off track a little bit, but um, do the the I have the MX-5 uh, out of the fleet this week, <laughs> and I may nice. have ha- I may have had the roof open when it sprinkled a little. Is that bad? <laughs> no, that's not bad. That's okay. Okay. Uh, luckily, our our interiors are very resilient. I've so. been I've been talking well hopefully I I've been talking to uh we've been talking about it on the show all day today. Uh just I got up this morning and went oh I left the roof down the car in the driveway and then it started to sprinkle. I was like, "Oh, I'm running outside in my pajamas <laughs> to try and put the the roof up." You know, and we've all been there. We've we're, all been there. The Northwest, yes. We've all been there. I um we yeah, I did spill a 2 liter soda bottle once in the back of a BMW convertible, but it wasn't a Mazda. It seemed to go away. Nobody noticed. <laughs> that was uh, that was yeah. I know. Uh, uh, the bad things happen sometimes when you uh, live out of your car or when you're in your car a, a lot for work. Uh, this idea that giving back to Mazda, uh, giving Mazda giving back to the healthcare workers. Now the five million dollar donation. Where did that come from? Uh, that that came from uh, I believe probably part of Mazda's foundation that they have. Uh, and, you know, just as an opportunity to give back to, again, the, the frontline workers. Um, just making sure that their cars are ready to go and clean them on, on the line as well. Do you expect a, a huge amount of people to show up to have this done? I think as the word continues to get out, we've really seen an uptick. Uh, they are working on getting some social media videos out there to uh, you know, get the word out to more people. We have people that come to our website and they're using our chat box to see if we're participating. We're getting emails. Uh, our policy that we're trying to do is to schedule people about one to two days out so we can make sure that we have the proper oil filter for the type of car that they drive. Oh yeah. Uh, we do stock some other uh, oil filters because of course we work on our used cars. So we're used to working on different types of cars. It's not, uh, it's not uncommon for us, but at the same time, if I get a car that's like, oh, I don't have the particular Subaru oil filter, I'm going to schedule you 48 hours out. I'm going to make sure I get the oil filter here. I'm ready for you when you come in the door. You get your car taken care of, and you're back on your way. Um, I was thinking about this. Uh, some oil filters probably, you know, if you have a 1957 blah, 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 fill in the blank here, you probably want to call before you bring it in you yeah. know, if you're a healthcare worker. You do want a car. Call. There, there, there's a there's a few limitations to the equation. I mean, obviously, large quart engine oil capacity vehicles, uh, you know, F350 diesel, those are going to fall outside of the program. Right. This is really intended for you know the healthcare worker, the nurse that's on the front line, uh, for us to be able to you know make them feel good, get their car maintained, and it, it, like anything, get them back on the front line to take care of you. I that, like that. That's what this you know, service is about in Mazda services department right now. It's an essential service. And we've had customers that haven't been driving their cars for two weeks. Guess what? Their battery was already at the end of life. Right. The battery went out. And that's one of the upticks we're seeing a lot of in people in general is battery failures. But, you know, little old ladies calling saying my car doesn't start and the batteries finally failed. Right. And those ladies can't go get their stuff. So that that's part of what this whole program is about, recognizing the essential 
uh, worker on the front line, medical worker, and then also being there for the customers that are in times of need. Everybody else, stay home. But if you can't go get groceries safely, you need your car to be fixed and repaired. I mean, there's an old saying we have, lot rot on our on stuff and right now there's a lot of cars that are in garages lot rotting all right chris thanks very much because reeves talking about the mazda program where if you're a healthcare worker you can get your car uh cleaned and oil changed for free if you're on the front line more our auto expert coming up you're listening to our auto expert Catch up with previous episodes of the show. Our website is OurAutoExpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see our automotive videos, and read inside a car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at OurAutoExpert.com. I got into motorcycle riding about four years ago thanks to encouragement from the chief engineer of Portland, Oregon's Fox TV station. His name is Pat Shearer. Uh, hat off to him. And uh, he had me go and take the, uh, the motorcycle class, which has changed my life dramatically, not because I've become a crazy motorcycle rider, but because I understand much more about the positions of motorcycles on the road. Now, I've owned many different kinds. I have have a garage full of motorcycles. I've snuck, we've talked about it on this show before, I've snuck more vert motorcycles in and got in super trouble for it because uh, eventually I get discovered. Uh, one of my favorite bikes out there is my Triumph Bobber, which is a big uh, cruiser type motorcycle. So you can imagine my glee well, I'm only five foot four, by the way, so I, you know, don't fit on every motorcycle. But you can imagine my glee when BMW announced their R18 motorcycle. A smile from ear to ear, and uh, Vincent Kung is here from uh, from motorcycles or BMW motorcycles to talk a little bit about it. So it's taken a long time for BMW, Vince, to get into this segment of motorcycles, but finally a competition for India and Triumph and Harley. It's a beautiful piece of machinery. Yes, it is. Uh, so How t- are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. So tell me a little bit about the bike and uh, and and some of its features. Well, you hit up on a pretty important point here that uh, while it may appear that we took a while to get here, we definitely wanted to make it right. And that's why we drew so much heritage in its design. And we wanted to have a lot of technology in the bike itself when it launched. So all that did come together to create the all-new 21 R18. And yes, it's an incredible bike. We had the good fortune of being with our colleagues in Munich and to see this bike before it came out. And as a motorcyclist myself, that has gotten into trouble too with having up to 34 bikes. (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) Uh, Wow! I am addicted to the sport, and this bike is a culmination of enthusiasm from all of us on staff here, not just in the U.S., but throughout the world, and our colleagues in Munich know that this is a very much an American segment, uh, the large cruiser segment, Uh, but we have so much heritage to draw from, from design. So we incorporated it all, and I mean, you've seen the pictures. I mean, it's an incredible Oh, my God. It it's it's beautiful. Let me. I got a million questions, so let me start with this. <laughs> First of all, how, I'm gonna have to wait a while, and right? a year for this. Uh, no, it'll be out later this year. Oh, 
Thank uh, God. Because the first thing I did, Vince, I have to tell you, the first thing I did when I saw this was I emailed Oleg, who is at BMW and used to be in control of your press fleet, and went, send me. I need. I need. I need. Send me. Send me. Which I is need funny to write it. because once it came out, I emailed him directly and said, right. we need you on the air. Right. And so, <laughs> and so, and so then he passed me to Jay. He, so Oleg's always saying to me, hey, if you want to ride motorcycles, uh, just let me know and we'll send some, you know, we'll send you some loans up there and you can ride them and we mostly cover cars for the fox tv stations and the arrow of expert network but occasionally we do motorcycles and so usually i'll i'll send them you know oleg or jay a message go hey uh, i really like this bike and like yeah you're too short you're too short (laughs) it's like you have to be at least this leg room to ride it so pretty much every bmw motorcycle has been and I've except for some of the concepts, by the way. But I've seen these motorcycles, and I'm too short to ride. This is—is is there you another bike apart this from this? Tall. Yeah, it's like Disney rides. <laughs> Honestly, there's a line on the wall in my living room. Um, do, is this the first one that somebody of my leg stature can ride, or do you have other bikes out there? We do have other bikes. Um, just earlier this year, we introduced an F900R that we specifically designed for riders that don't have the longest of inseams. Um, and that bike is uh, 89.95, our greatest entry-level real machine at 900cc. Ooh. And this bike, yeah, as a cruiser, of course, the uh, segment does love low seat heights, of course, for the relaxed riding position. So it's 27.2 inches. Perfect. Um, yeah, and all that weight's down low, so it's very manageable. Yeah. And it's got all the riding legroom, of course, now as you expect from a cruiser, and a nice open-handled bar so that your riding position is comfortable but you're still in control too yeah we posted pictures of it on our uh facebook uh and we got tons and tons of people messaging me and and reacting to it they really liked it um here's here's one of the things is what's the going to be the price of the r18 so the r18 right now is 17.495 as an introduction price right um and that includes obviously everything that you expect from a bmw including antelac brakes a lot of electronics, LED headlight, LED turn signals, all standard. Right. Whereas other manufacturers require you to pay extra for it. So we build it all into the innate value of the bike. Can I have one? Or can I buy one? <laughs> I want to buy one. I'll trade yeah. uh, 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 Triumph will go nuts, but I'll trade my Triumph in for one. And I think I've probably got like 500 miles on my uh, Bobber <laughs> because, you know, we're only a six-month riding state where I live. Can you tell and he's so, a kid in a candy store I right am. Now? Oh, that is so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Plus... I mean, I, these bike companies are always trying to send me bikes, right? But plus, I uh, I think you could deck this out, too. It's, it's very, like, uh, sort of upgradable. Well, there's also, isn't there just a regular edition and then there's a first edition as well? Right. So the base bike that we talked about is where you start. You get the, we call it the R18, just the R18. And then the first edition is what we will be introducing for the first year. Quite frankly, uh, because of early preliminary research, demand is so high on this bike that they wanted to have the first edition features. This includes the white pinstripe on the tank and on the rear fender, a complete chrome package, which gives the engine covers a lot of chrome, chrome on the brake calipers, chrome on the handles, levers, master cylinders, throughout, and customers also get a welcome kit. This box comes with the bike. It includes things like a belt buckle. It includes a book um, and some other very collectible things, including a very traditional BMW rondelle that is goes back to the old 1930s design, which is the BMW logo with the brass screws. 
that are actually attached to the tank, and we include that too as well. Where what's the port of it? Do these are made in Germany? All made in Berlin, Germany. So what's the port of entry to the U.S. for the bikes? What you mean, destination handling? Yeah, where do they come into the U.S.? Where do they where do they arrive? They come in through Port Jersey. All right, uh, I will fly to Jersey and pick my bike up <laughs> off the port. You should Vince, see him. It's I'm insane. serious. Like this thing is beautiful. Like I, well, it's I, only thirty minutes from our office, so everything is possible, right? All right, <laughs> uh, I'm telling you right now, I, I desperately want one of these. Uh, this is absolutely beautiful and uh, customizable. I mean, I probably take this and black it out. Um, you know, it's a black engine cover. Uh, it looks like. I don't know, the Mad Max, it, it, the bike I've been waiting for, Mad Max, plus the BMW reliability and this huge engine, 1,200 cc's. It's actually 1,800 cc's. Oh, see, I'm <laughs> winning again. Yes, you are winning. It's 110 cubic inches if you like to go uh, in the more SAE metric uh, standard uh, measurement systems. And the big thing is it has 116 pound-feet of torque. Holy so hell. torque is what makes the bikes move, especially in these segments. Yeah. Geared relatively mildly. And our customers in the segment are not looking for things that wind out. We have plenty of other bikes. S1000 R, for instance, our R1250R, plenty of sporty boxers and four-cylinders. But here, it was specifically engineered to produce tons of torque. So you can be in top gear, you're on the highway, you have your uh, all your gear with you, personal and back of the pillion, and then you just give it throttle and you just move it along in six. Seconds. Vince, we're running out of time. We're running out of time, but here, when when sure. will press when will press fleet be available on this? Well, the bikes will be coming, as I said, later on this year, but the press fleet will be priority. I'll speak to Oleg and the rest of the team and make sure that you're on. Yes. Just okay. You just made uh, my day. Yeah, I'm so excited right now. <laughs> well, and wait, wait, we're running out of time, Jen. Oh, so what? Yeah. It's got reverse assistant hillside control. It's got rain, rock, and roll. I read. Yeah, you have to go read it at our website. Yeah. Vince, thank you for joining us. The new BMW R18. Uh, my life is complete now. I can move on. Uh, whatever else is next, I want one. It's amazing. More our auto expert coming up. <laughs> You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. Well, you can uh, find our Auto Expert show on our Auto Expert Facebook or the Twitter account or Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, uh, ask car questions, direct messages at our Auto Expert on any of the social media platforms. Our Auto Expert is where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. Joining us as he does every week, Anton Warman. He's an independent analyst and investor. Uh, things in the auto industry in a tailspin, going down the drain. Cars not being produced, sales not happening, down by fifty percent or more in certain segments how bad is this recession hitting the car industry anton well it is beyond catastrophic i mean we have simply never seen anything like it since world war ii when as you know at the end of 1941 automotive production and all spare parts tires you name it uh was essentially suspended and we're now in a situation that the likes of which we haven't seen since uh, world war ii when we really didn't have an automotive industry in the United States. So as this uh, demand crisis really cascades uh, down the list here, um, and everybody and everything, this is like a huge tsunami. Everybody gets hurt. And uh, it's funny, you know, when we look back at what we talked about at the very end of January, or for that matter, even into February, as you may remember, Nick, we talked about this as being a 
supply crisis where certain components that were made in certain parts of China uh, was going to disrupt production and that that was the issue. Well, uh, how juvenile that looks uh, now with uh, the benefit of hindsight because uh, production is not going to be the issue at all here once they get up and running here in uh, just a few weeks from now and then in some cases already are in some places around the world. This is all... Uh, a demand crisis at this point, and that's a far bigger problem for the industry. So, how is there any light at the end of the tunnel, or is it just going to be a tailspin forever? Well, there is some light at the end of the tunnel in the following way, and that is that we just got guidelines from, uh, to the extent of these matter, from the federal government that basically said that look, uh, many states. Most states are in more or less good shape in order to open up. So now it will be up to the governors and other local authorities in those states to decide on precisely how and how quickly to implement those plans. So we have suddenly a little bit of certainty as to a certain percentage of our economy coming back, but it still leaves a variety of gaping holes. For example, uh, I haven't seen yet public schools reopening before May 1st or even on May 1st in any state that has announced any action yet in terms of opening up. So that's one problem. And, of course, it meant a lot of people have kids. they got to be someplace. And uh, then you have these enormous unemployment checks that are going out now where the federal government, as part of this uh, stimulus plan, added $600 a week to everybody plus a variety of other goodies so that uh, several business people that I now talk to that uh, are trying to get workers to come back either already or starting in the next week or two as these uh, lockdowns are lifted, they can't get them back. Nobody wants to come back. They're making $24 an hour equivalent on unemployment and nobody wants to come back because they were getting paid 18 or whatever dollars per hour before and uh, the kids aren't uh, you know, going to school yet. So that's a double problem. So why not stay home, collect the $24 an hour as opposed to go to work uh, collect 18 or sometimes even less, and then uh, uh, not knowing where your kids are going to be. So we have huge problems remaining, and we're just scratching the surface of the damage that's being done to the economy here. And all of that, of course, comes back to haunt the automotive industry dramatically in terms of sharply reduced demand on essentially all fronts. Uh, auto sales uh, in the last minute we have left uh, supposedly likely to be down from 17 million to 14 or 13 million depending on whether you look at Cox Automotive or whether you look at uh, one of the other automotive predictors but I think it's going to be worse than that oh absolutely I mean if you're thinking 13 million or above I think uh, I think you're going to be uh, sadly very wrong at this point I think that it, the industry is going to uh, at best cling on to the 10 million mark or thereabouts I think that that's as bad as it's going to get, and that takes us further south than uh, the fall of 2008 and the Great Financial Recession that caused uh, the bankruptcies of uh, Chrysler as well as General Motors. So I think that's where we're going right now. All right. When we come back, I want to talk about something that's uh, going to be a big news story starting on Monday morning. Uh, One of the things that's kind of interesting, we touched on it a little bit last week, which was uh, interesting, is the massive amount of fleet vehicles, including car rental companies, that are not being used right now if you're in hawaii and you're uh you know 
there as a rental car person. You probably haven't rented a single car, a minivan or a convertible out of that fleet in a number of weeks now. And that's likely to continue for at least another month or so. Uh, those fleets are losing money. Cars depreciate as they sit on lots. So as we go towards the future, does that mean that some of those cars are going to be unloaded by those rental car companies? Uh, the Geek Squad, unlikely to probably be visiting your home from Best Buy. Maid Services, unlikely to be visiting your home in the near future. Does that mean they're going to be selling some of their huge fleets off? We'll find that and more when we come back on our Auto Expert. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey Google, or hey Alexa, or hey Siri, play our auto expert radio show. Wait, my phone's going to go off now. Play our auto expert radio show. Uh, you see, I told you, and uh, where it's available, uh, you'll find hours of endless fun. I'm Nick Miles, and this is our auto expert radio show. Two million Americans get their automotive radio daily. And their news daily from our auto expert, ourautoexpert.com. We mentioned this slightly last week about uh, automotive rental companies going to be dumping large amounts of fleets into uh, the sales bin of cars that are available around the United States. Um, Anton had predicted that last week, and it sort of came to a reality this week as Hertz are battling uh, not going into bankruptcy. They're exploring the bankruptcy options for obvious reasons. Uh, that means all those used cars could be hitting the market. Now, Anton, there's 1.86 million rental fleet cars in the United States. With that and fleet vehicles, how many do you expect to see dropped into the market? and What will that do to the market? Yeah, I expect uh, just over half of those uh, vehicles to be dropped into the market. But here's the way that it works, Nick, in terms of financially speaking, what is driving these decisions. Then they're driven by these familiar uh, resale values, these residual values that uh, are assigned to cars that are being driven and uh, you expected uh, price that they're uh, expected to fetch in a year or two. And what happens when a company like a Hertz or equivalent buys literally tens of thousands of cars in some fell swoops is that they are financing them using very particular uh, instruments that have certain conditions written into them. And those conditions include residual values. So basically, if the residual values were to fall dramatically, after they have made these purchases, then these financing instruments start to trigger essentially default clauses. It's almost like you take a mortgage on your house and suddenly you're not paying your real estate tax. And then suddenly the mortgage company comes back and says, look, uh, you're not paying your real estate tax. That now triggers your mortgage to be in default. That's the equivalent of what we're seeing here in terms of uh, these uh, rental car companies such as Hertz being hit very, very hard when the values of these uh, used cars are dropping like a rock. And that is going to reverberate uh, around the system. So we may think it's good as consumers because all of these cars are, of course, going to be dumped on the used car market, dramatically pushing down uh, used car prices for those, who are, uh, those of us who are in the market to, to buy a car. But, of course, it hurts those who will ultimately try to sell a car. And then, of course, it hurts new car prices, too, because when you're considering buying a new car, you're also looking at, well, at what price can I buy a gently used one? So this will, of course, put pressure on the discount levels in the regular new car market as well. There's two very important things here that we need to talk about. One is there is only so many people that are considering buying a car. 
this year, new or used. So there is only a fish pond of a certain size. And that means that ultimately, if we are exceeding the fish pond with the number of vehicles available, you could be looking at uh, suddenly a real tumble in prices. Car market, the second question is car market is down 12 to 15 percent already for used cars in the United States. Are we expecting it to drop a lot further? And where do you think the bottom of the pit is? Oh, I think this is, we you like to call these things a double whammy. They're a triple or a quadruple or a quintuple whammy because uh, this, the equation is being hit from all sides at this point. Uh, we have, of course, uh, appetite in general for new cars falling because people just don't have enough money. And then we have the cars that are sitting on new car dealer lots, both the new ones and the used ones. And then we now have the influx from all of these fleets that are have to, going to have to dump their uh, cars. That's another million and change number of cars that are coming in. So all of these things combined point only and squarely only in one direction, and that is that prices across the board must drop in order for the market to clear. And, you know, we can't really put a precise number on it. That's really impossible at this point. Uh, but we can clearly say that, I mean, if, if to the extent that you're at any of these entities out there, whether you're a rental car company or a regular car dealer or some other fleet owner that needs to get rid of X number of cars, uh, I, I don't think you've had yet come to the cross with respect to how far low you have to go in order to get rid of these, uh, get, get, rid, get rid of these vehicles. So... Uh, I think that the bottom is nowhere near uh, reached at this point. I think we're just starting to scratch the surface. We hear every day now about, oh, there are big car discounts here and there. Look, I've seen these car discounts so far, uh, and they're roughly at the lowest level that they have been in a couple of years. When you know, At the end of the year, you see a sale from the big three. Every pickup truck is advertised as a headline number, 14 grand offer equivalent. It's roughly the same type of numbers we're seeing right now being advertised. So I think that they're going to have to go a lot lower than the lowest point at which they have been in recent memory. And we're, I don't think we're at all near there. I think this market, you know, all of these values of all these used cars have to go, on, go down another 20% or so. I think also there's different varying uh, portions of this uh, price fall as well, and for several reasons. Obviously, sedans are not as popular as they used to be. Americans gravitating towards SUVs before the COVID-19 crisis, that even more so now after the crisis has set in about a month or so. Americans looking at changing to SUVs and trucks just because they are expecting to have to use their vehicles for a lot different lifestyle. And that means that those sedans in the rental feats, those Nissan Altimas, those Toyota Camrys, those Honda Accords, could be down, in my estimations, as much as 50% from an original second-hand value. Less so with trucks and SUVs and minivans. They'll probably become more popular as the single-family vehicle. But there's other levels to this as well. I went out and did some research this week. A Golf GTI in the Autobahn edition, uh, MSRP is for around $37,000. I found them between two and $5,000 below that for sale right now at on dealer lots and this is 
tends to be a fairly interesting sought-after vehicle. If that's just a scratch-of-the-surface high school researcher doing his uh, research into a news story, it could be a lot more than that. So I'm expecting that to fall. Let's ask about the shutdowns impacting the timing of new vehicle debuts because we just had Shad on from General Motors who tells us that the brand-new Chevrolet Traverse is now going to be postponed until uh, later this year and will be a 2022 instead of a 2021. But that's just one of many brands now having to put off their launches until next year. That's right. So uh, it is clear that uh, the sheer logistical difficulty to make things happen on all levels of the equation for the very, very near term means that some of these things that were going to come out here by the end of the summer, um, you know, first being unveiled, and then there's some sort of broader introduction, and then they go into production, and then eventually hit dealership near the end of the calendar year. Um, those things are definitely going to be pushed out. And in some cases, we've got vehicles that are already talked about for well into calendar 2021, where we are already hearing about uh, some slight delays of two or three months. So I think these things are, are to be expected, but uh, we've seen examples recently from both Ford and FCA where it's going this way, whereas uh, at least one company has been adamant about one of their uh, key staples, in fact, their key number one staple by far, at least in the U.S. market, is on track, and that would be the Nissan Rogue, which is Nissan's best-selling vehicle in the United States. So, uh, yeah, some of these things <clears throat> could be on, on track, but most companies at this point have resigned themselves to to simply uh, bowing to the fact that this is just going to have to be pushed out a little bit. Uh, I looked at some pictures online of the new all-electric Polestar 3, which I agree with you, looks really, really good. It almost, and maybe I'm being sacrilegious when I say this, it almost looks like what the Tesla Model Y should have looked like, but didn't. Yeah, I mean, I was stunned when I saw these uh, pictures of the upcoming uh, Polestar 3. For listeners, listeners who are unfamiliar, uh, Polestar is a sister brand to Volvo. Both companies are essentially under the overall Geely umbrella. Geely is a Chinese company owned by a man called Li Shifu, and uh, he's done a good job turning Volvo around over the last last uh, six or seven years. And now Polestar is coming up with their own branded vehicles. The first one is the Polestar One, which is a super luxury coupe, uh, $155,000 and up. And then the Polestar Two entered production a month ago, and that one will reach the United States by the end of the summer, and Europe and uh, China probably by the middle of the summer. And that's essentially a, a competitor to uh, the um, uh, model Tesla Model 3 and the Tesla Model Y. This new uh, Polestar 3 that we just saw here that isn't going into production until, I believe, sometime uh, early 2021 is going to um, uh, be a little bit more luxurious, a little bit more powerful. It really will play at the very high end of where the Model Y would be playing. So, <clears throat> But I think uh, the first observation here, and you made it, I think, quite correctly, uh, Nick, it's just the design. I mean, this is one of the most stunningly beautiful and differentiated designs I've seen in, in a couple of years on anything that has four wheels. And if Polestar actually does bring this to market, it will be a shocker to the industry.
Yeah, it looks good. Now, LA Auto Show usually held in November. Will it be canceled? Because Los Angeles suggesting that no gatherings for around eighteen to twenty-four months. Uh, in case, in that case, it wouldn't be until the twenty twenty-one show. But does Detroit go ahead? Or does not Detroit, New York, go ahead as it was rescheduled for late summer? Uh, where are we with auto shows, and what does that mean for those shows like CES, which is the Consumer Electronics Show, but has become something? of an automotive gathering as well. Yeah, so a couple of uh, basic uh, considerations here. The first one is my theory as to when all of these uh, regional, state, and local uh, shutdowns, lockdowns, call them whatever you want, will uh, really fly out the window is that as soon as we get past the, the November elections this year, that any idea of having uh, any further lockdowns will be out the window. That that, that will be the when they stop. The second point, however, is that the planning horizons for any of these shows just start with the next one that's coming up, which is the New York Auto Show here in August. I mean, if if that is going to happen, they must have a certainty about that pretty much within the next uh, you know handful of weeks uh, from now in order to not have to postpone slash cancel that one any further. And at this point, it just remains unclear what New York would do with this. I mean, if you're listening to the overall rumblings from the mayor and the governor, uh, it doesn't look so good, but I, I still hold out some hope that that could change. When it comes to the L.A. Auto Show, the language from both the mayor of Los Angeles, as well as the governor of California, it's a bit harsher and a little bit more definitive, you would think, about the longer term. Still not certain by any means, but I, I, I think that you have to look at that at this point and say, wow, uh, if you're going to actually believe the language that they are uh, pounding the table on right now, then uh, the LA Auto Show is a goner, basically. So, And then, of course, TES, which is a far bigger show with 160,000 people coming in from all over the world. Uh, they're gonna, they're, I think they're sweating bullets as well. But, you know, Las Vegas is not in California. And uh, looking at what uh, the mayor of Las Vegas just commented in the last couple of days, I have to believe that uh, Las Vegas will be in great shape for CES. But again, these things uh, are, you know, would not have been seriously debated a month ago. Right. And right. suddenly, here we are. Right. Well, the other thing about CES that we have to also remember is the fact that a lot of people come from China and uh, Asia to CES, plus uh, the all-electronics buyers from New York. And those are two places that have had massive outbreaks of COVID-19. Anton Warmer, independent analyst and investor. This is Our Auto Expert and OurAutoExpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Mile. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response.